Welcome to A Shower of Roses. I'm Jenna, your host. On this podcast, we read together the readings for the upcoming Sunday Mass in the Roman Catholic Church, so that when you walk into Mass on Sunday, you feel enlightened and empowered with the knowledge of the Gospel that you need to have a meaningful and personal experience with Christ every week. I'm Catholic, but you certainly don't have to be to listen to this podcast. The Gospel is for anyone, anywhere, at any state of life. We're so glad you're here. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Sock Religious. I don't know if you guys have ever been to this website called Sock Religious, but it is exactly what it sounds like. It is socks with Catholic saints and things on them. I'm on their website right now, and I'm looking at pictures of St. Therese on socks, John Paul II on socks, Our Lady of Guadalupe on socks, Mother Teresa on socks. It is literally socks with saints on them. And like, what a better way to walk about your day than with the saints on your feet. I love it so much, and I I really think you guys will like it too. Use the code ROSES at checkout for 10% off your order. That's R-O-S-E-S at SockReligious.com for 10% off your order. Again, that's SockReligious.com. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Audible. Audible is a collection of thousands of audio titles from audiobooks to podcasts to comedy. So many of us want to read more, but we just don't have the time. But Audible makes it easy by providing downloadable programs that you can listen to in the car, on your way to work, even while you're praying. Yes, you can listen to the audio version of the Bible with Audible and so many other Christian books. You guys, did you know that James Earl Jones did an audio recording of the Bible? Yeah, you can get that on Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash a shower of roses to start your free trial and get a free audiobook today. So you can get that James Earl Jones version of the Bible for free. Yep. That's audibletrial.com slash a shower of roses for your free trial and audiobook. Welcome back to the podcast. Today we're going to be reading the readings for February 28th, 2021, the second Sunday of Lent in year B of the Roman Catholic Church. The first reading this week is from Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 to 2, 9a, 10 to 13, and 15 to 18. God put Abraham to the test. He called to him, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son Isaac, your only one whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. There you shall offer him up as a holocaust on a height that I will point out to you. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. Then he reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the Lord's messenger called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he answered. 
Do not lay a hand on the boy, said the messenger. Do, do not do the least thing to him. I know now how devoted you are to God, since you did not withhold from me your own beloved son. As Abraham looked out, he spied a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. So he went and took the ram and offered it up as a holocaust in place of his son. Again the Lord's messenger called to Abraham from heaven and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you acted as you did in not withholding from me your beloved son, I will bless you abundantly and make your descendants as countless as the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. Your descendants shall take possession of the gates of their enemies, and in your descendants all the nations of the earth shall find blessing. All this because you obeyed my command. So what a truly uh, incredible narrative that we have here of, um, of Abraham and Isaac. Some context, um, Abraham's wife Sarah, formerly Sarai, um, could not have any children for um, pretty much their whole marriage. Um, and yet, you know, when God begins this journey with Abraham, one of the promises that he makes to him is that Sarah will have a child. Um, and when she hears this, she laughs because she's, I believe, 90 at the time and Abraham's 100. She's well past her childbearing years. Um, and yet this is such a reminder for us that nothing is too great for God. Um, and that's why the child is named Isaac, because Isaac means he will laugh. So God tells, Ibra tells Abraham here that he's going to take Isaac, this only son of his wife. He has other children with uh, a handmaiden, another child with one of his handmaidens. But this is the only one he has with his wife. This one is going to be his... Uh, you know, the one that should receive the, you know, the inheritance, the birthright. Um, and so why then would God ask him to offer up his only son as a Holocaust? Um, it was not unusual in this time for, you know, a practicing Jewish person to offer up um, their child as um, to kind of like anoint their first child, right, to God. Um, to consecrate their child to God. But this is like, you know, literally offering up your child to God. And in here we see a lot of, of um, foreshadowing of what's going to happen in the crucifixion, right? That God is going to willingly offer up his only son. I see that especially when, you know, Abraham builds the altar and arranges the wood on it. That word wood just so reminds us of the crucifixion, right? Um, and that they have to climb up this mountain to do so. Um, but Abraham is obedient to God to the point of, to the point of death um, of his only child. And how incredible that Abraham's really able to just have that obedience. Um, and I, I think that we can learn such a lesson from that. So this is a test, right? This is a test of Abraham's obedience. And, you know, God was not planning on ever, you know, having him go through with this. It was really just a test. So, um, at the, at the crucial moment, God, God's messenger stops Abraham and Abraham offers up an animal in Isaac's place. Um, 
And then the messenger kind of reiterates this covenant that Abraham, that he has, you know, made with Abraham, which is that his descendants are going to be as numerous as the skies. Um, and that they will be kind of a victorious, um, race. Um, and this is really crucial to read during Lent because all through Lent we're going to read, we've been reading, um, you know, last week we read the covenant with Noah. This week we're reading about the covenant with Abraham. So Lent, the, the, the church fathers are really going to take us through this journey of all the Old Testament covenants leading up to the new and final covenant of Christ on the cross and, uh, resurrected. And I love how we see just little bits and pieces of that, um, in this reading. The second reading this week is from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 31b to 34. Brothers and sisters, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but handed him over for all of us, how will he not also give us everything else along with him? Who will bring a charge against God's chosen ones? It is God who acquits us who will condemn. Christ Jesus it is who died, or rather was raised, who also is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. I love this line, and it reminds me of that gorgeous hymn, If God is for us, who can be against us? Like, what a, what a beautiful message, very empowering, very much a reminder of just the love the uh, the unconditional love um, that God that God has for us and the and the power that there is in that 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 we don't have to worry about enemies or or um, you know hardships because yeah they're gonna they're gonna come but like is any of that more powerful than the love of God absolutely not um, because the love of God is so powerful that he was even willing to give up his only son. Again, going back to what we talked about in that first reading, that God's love for us is more powerful than anything, and he will, and he will do anything for us, anything for us. Um, and it's ultimately him who has that, fi- who's the final judge, right? If God who is the one who acquits, then who can condemn? You know, no one is more ultimate than him. And so if we know that he has mercy on us, then then the, the the opinions of others about us just don't matter because it's God's opinion that truly matters. Now all this to say, you know, God is going to judge us at the end. Like it's not all butterflies and rainbows here. Um God wants to be the one that acquits us, but we also have to remember that final judgment is very much a thing. And so we can't take the love of God for granted because love is a two-way street. It requires, you know, a relationship. And uh, we need to be uh, reciprocal of that love that God gives us. The gospel this week is from Mark chapter 9, verses 2 to 10. Jesus took Peter, James, and John 
and led them up a mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. Then Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were conversing with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He hardly knew what to say, they were so terrified. Then a cloud came, casting a shadow over them. From the cloud came a voice, This is my beloved son, listen to him. Suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone but Jesus alone with them. As they were coming down from the mountain, he charged them not to relate what they had seen to anyone, except when the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept that matter to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. Oh, I love this passage of the Transfiguration. I love when we get to read it during Lent. It ties in so beautifully with the first reading because uh, we know that in the Bible, uh, mountains equal places of encounter with God. Like if you're climbing up a mountain in the Bible, something amazing is going to happen on that mountain. Um, in the first reading, you know, it's that God reiterating his covenant with Abraham. And also I forgot to mention that that mountain Moriah is the spot of the temple of Solomon. So that's a really, you know, the holiest place really in the Holy Land, the spot of the temple. Um, and this is not the same mountain, the Transfiguration, but still, we're going up a mountain. He specifically chooses Peter, James, and John. Um, we know that these are three of his, you know, closest disciples. Obviously, we know Peter's the first pope. John is the beloved disciple. Um, you know, we don't know what Jesus' relationship with James really was like, um, but clearly there's a reason, right, that it's just these three. Um and so Jesus, you know, is transfigured, his, he's shining, um, his clothes are white, and then it's clear that Elijah and Moses appear on either side, two of the greatest prophets. And it says they were conversing with Jesus. Oh my gosh, what will we give to hear what that conversation is like? I, who knows? Who knows, right? And then the, I mean, you can only imagine how stunned Peter, James, and John are what is happening? Oh my goodness, we're looking at Elijah and Moses. And Peter has this amazing response, which is, Rabbi, let, let us make three tents, because tents, think back to Moses in, in the desert, right? A tent was, was a sacred place where you could go in and you would, and the Ark of the Covenant was kept in the tent, right? Um, and so this is like all he can think to say. It says they hardly knew what to say. They were so terrified. This is all he can think to do or say or offer in this moment. And God bless him for it. Um, because if it were me, I think I would just have like not said a, a, a thing because I would be so stunned, right? Um, and then we hear the voice of God the Father, something very, very rare to happen in scripture. Um, and the Gospels, um, really only one or two other times, like at the baptism in the Jordan, um, but reiterating that same message that, that Jesus is his son, and we are to listen to him like a prophet, right? We are supposed to listen to the prophets like Moses and Elijah. Um, and then they have this really important come down moment. They come down from the mountain. 
And I think that's really important for us because a lot of us have had these moments of encounter in our lives, not like this, these moments of encounter. I don't know if anyone on earth has seen the transfigured Jesus, but a lot of us have these moments of, of spiritual encounter in our you know, walks with Christ in our journeys. And some people call these like mountaintop moments and they're referring to this passage and like, this is like a moment where I know that the love of Christ is real and that Christ exists and that God loves me. Like, right, we've all, you know, a lot of us have had these powerful moments, but there's always that coming down from the mountain, you know, that moment that you have to go home from the retreat or go home from the conference or, you know, leave the church, leave the adoration chapel. Like we can't stay in that forever. And Jesus doesn't want us to, because he very well could have said, Peter, James, and John, you're going to live on this mountain now. And Moses and Elijah are going to come and talk to you whenever you want, but he doesn't. They have to come down and they have to figure out how to, how to live what they just encountered out in their lives. Um, and so they can't tell anyone about, this is the hardest part that they can't tell anyone about it until he says, until I've risen from the dead. And they're like, we don't even know what that, what does it mean to rise from the dead? That's not a concept that makes any sense. Um, it's something that we don't question reading about now because we know the ending, right? We know what it means to rise from the dead, but this is not something that happens, you know, just every day. So these poor apostles have just really been through it and are so confused, but they know what they saw is real. They know that moment of encounter was real. They're not going to come down from that mountain and, and go to sleep and wake up the next day and say, wow, I guess that was just like a really cool dream. Like they all know it's real. And when we have those moments of encounter, we know that it's real. And that's something that I struggle with is, is like these mountaintops moments that I've had in my life. Like, what do I do with, what do I do with that? I don't know. Do I just live off of that for the rest of my spiritual life? Do I strive to create that? you know, again, kind of forced that to happen. Like, I don't really know. And I don't have the answers, but, um, it's something that I think we all struggle with. So my challenge for you for the week is to, um, maybe just do an examination of your spiritual journey, like from start to finish, like the start of your life to finish and maybe like map it out. Like what were some of those mountaintops moments for you? And then what are some like rough, like come down the mountain and like reality hits you moments and examine that and, and just talk to God about it. If you've never done like kind of like a graph of your life, like maybe that's a really good thing for you to do this week to kind of take a look back and reflect on where you've been with Christ and, and where you want to, to go with him. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Please be sure to subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. And it would be awesome if you could give us a good rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. Those ratings help us get this message of the gospel out to as many people as possible. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at A Shower of Roses and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash A Shower of Roses podcast. You can also check out a showerofrosespodcast.com for more information about the show or to send us an email or feedback. We'll see you back here next Wednesday. God bless you and have a great week.